0: Great to see you all here this morning. Good morning, as well, to the folks who are watching online. Uh, if it's your very first time here this morning, welcome. My name's Dave, and I'm the lead pastor here. And we're thrilled that you've chosen to come and join us here at Connect. Um, if it is your first time, you're you're joining us as we've been talking over the last couple of weeks um, about an idea, a series that we've called First Things First. We thought, you know what, we're kicking off 2023. Maybe some of you had some resolutions for this year, some, some words that were going to be your defining goal or vision for 2023, and um, what a great opportunity to sit in church on a Sunday morning and to, to think about these goals, to think about these resolutions, to think about in our lives what the priorities should be. We've talked about the idea that God could be a priority in our lives, that our family can be a priority in our lives. And we've actually been using um, a couple of jars to illustrate the idea of those priorities. And uh, these two jars are identical. They both have the exact same amount of sand, small pebbles, stones, and rocks. But what we discovered the first week is that the the order you put the things in the jar determines how much will fit. So this one, we put the large rocks in first, and then the other rocks afterwards, and everything fit neatly. This one, we started with the sand and the small rocks, and by the time we got to the, the, large, the, the large rocks, the priorities, we couldn't fit them all in. So over the last couple of weeks, and so this morning we're going to continue on, we are thinking through this idea of, of a couple of things. First, it's, it's the order of importance. The order of importance. So it's taking a look at some of the things in our lives. The the sands kind of represents the the fun things that we get up to. You know that's that's kind of small compared to some of the bigger things. the the small the small stones they might be just cutting the grass, shovelling the driveway. You know, kind of the the tasks that needs to be done all week, but they don't really place a high priority on your list of things to do. Maybe these these slightly larger rocks they would represent things like your career, uh, maybe a hobby or a pastime. And then uh, the biggest rocks of all, we're hoping would be things, like I said, God, family. And for some, over these last couple of weeks, we've been challenging, hey, maybe this rock needs to be the size of this rock. Maybe something in our lives has has really not been as important as it could be. And as we've gone through this series, we're kind of wrestling with the idea of, is this really um, something that deserves to be more important in our lives? And then the second thing we've been looking at is the plans we make. It's one thing to say, my family are incredibly important. They're one of the largest rocks in my life. But if we don't have a plan for how we're gonna spend quality time with our spouse or how we're gonna be engaged in the lives of our kids, then then what's gonna happen is, is at the end of each week, we're gonna have this great intention of family being a large rock. But when we come to try and squeeze that time in, all the other things have crowded it out of the way. So this week, I want to look at something in our lives. Each week, we're kind of looking at another thing that we would throw out the idea that, you know, this, this could be a big rock in your lives. This week, we're going to look at something that could be a big rock. Um, maybe uh, some of you haven't considered this before, but um, to illustrate what it is I'm going to talk about here this week, I need to remove from my pocket my wallet, okay? This is going to be my, my visual aid for what I'm going to be speaking about this morning. Because you see, I think most of us have this. If we're gentlemen here this morning, we probably have wallets, maybe the ladies have a purse. But but we have something like this that that contains things like, so in my wallet, I've got some some cash right here. Uh, I've got some receipts that I'm keeping to make sure I don't lose those. Uh, I've got some credit cards. I've got my driving license here. Uh, My library card's in here, my health insurance card. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how long I've had this wallet, but I do know that um, in here is my Blockbuster membership card. (laughs) So uh, it's been a while. I would think uh, that I've had this. Going to hold on to this just in case I might want to rent Top Gun on VHS sometime. So uh, not going to get rid of that. But uh, but as we look at our wallets, it, it really our wallets kind of represent our money, our possessions, our bills, and our debt, our generosity. In fact, to sum it all up, our our wallets, they represent a word that Jesus himself used 2,000 years ago when he introduced this idea of this word, your treasure. Your treasure. He was talking one day to a a big crowd of people on a hill, and he was actually talking about priorities. Priorities. And things that we should prioritize in our life. And, and he's talking about things in our life. And, and he talked about, to so the people who were listening, the crowd that day, uh, their possessions, their treasure. And listen to what he said in Matthew 6, verse 24. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. He said, wherever your treasure is, so for us this morning, kind of our wallets, our, our purses, our handbags, they, they represent our treasure. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, if you're here this morning and you've made a decision to follow Jesus, so, so one of the main reasons you're here this morning is because you've made this decision to follow Jesus. You, you want him to be number one in your life. You've, you've surrendered and committed your life to following him. He wants your heart. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, what he wants from us more than anything else is our heart, our devotion, our love for him. Our life to be lived following him. And we're going to look this morning at a story in the New Testament, an encounter between Jesus and a lady that illustrates this moment where where this lady wants to give Jesus um, her heart to show just how much of her heart and her life has been given to Jesus. But before I tell that story, I have to kind of set the scene here for you because I love looking at the life of Jesus. I love looking at his teaching. I love looking at the encounters that took place between him and the people of his time. But what I love the most is is then coming 2,000 years to the present day and say, now how can we live differently? What can we learn from this encounter? How can this impact our lives today? Tomorrow, when I go back to school, when I go to work, how can I behave differently based on what I've learned about this encounter between this lady and Jesus? So, to set the scene for the story, I have to tell you something, and I've actually shared this before it connects, So some of you uh, will remember having heard this, but I believe... I believe that that all of us here this morning, we we fall into two groups. When it comes to to our treasure, when it comes to our possession, we fall into two specific groups of people. Those two groups are savers or spenders. Savers or spenders. I would venture to guess this morning that every one of us here, every one of you here, is either um, more of a saver or more of a spender. Okay, so you're, you're one of those two people. Let me help define what those are. Savers, you spend as little as possible so you can have as much as possible. You love finding a good investment or a great coupon code. Saving gives you peace and confidence about an uncertain future. Spenders, you'd rather buy things, go shopping, enjoy life. You understand that money was meant to be spent. Now, full disclosure this morning, I have to tell you, um, I'm a little bit of a saver, okay? If I, if I lean one way, I'll, I'll acknowledge I am a saver. I'm always looking for a deal or a coupon. I'm the guy at the Kroger gas pump that waits till I've got a dollar off gas. And then I pull up there, and I fill my car, and I click, click. I want to get as much of that cheaper gas as possible. And then um, my son's car's behind me. I don't put it back in. I put it on the ground. I pull my car forward. He pulls up. Because did you know you get up to 35 gallons on each dollar off? I'm only 20 fits in my car. I'm not letting 15 gallons just go away. So come on, we're going to fill them all up. So that's me. I'm I'm a saver. I'm looking for deals. My wife, Casey, she can get a bit frustrated with me because I'm a saver. Uh, She'll send me to the store to buy something. And when I come back, I unpack the bags and she's like I told you to get this name brand product and I have a case this one was a dollar cheaper it literally says great value on the label I mean why wouldn't I get that I mean it tastes disgusting but come on look how much money we've saved now I need I was thinking about this this week I need to apologize to every one of you out there if your kids hear this today teenagers maybe you've grown up and you grew up in the house of a saver I'm sorry. I know it was tough. I know your friends—they were drinking Pepsi and Mountain Dew. You were drinking Lightning Cola and Dr. Thunder. I know it's—it's it's, it's tough being brought up in the family of a saver. But we get it. We get it. Now the spenders in the room, right now, you're shaking your heads. You're thinking this guy is crazy, and you're probably right. Spenders live by the money. Why put off for tomorrow with the fun you could have by spending some money today? You spenders, you love to buy stuff. You know how it works. If you're feeling a little bit low, buy something. If you've had a great day and you're feeling good, celebrate. Buy something. Are you kind of bored, don't know what to do? Buy something. Spending money has this way of bringing pleasure, right? It's like retail therapy. Now, I'm not going to embarrass anyone today by asking you to raise a meager, frugal hand if you're a saver or to wave both hands wildly in the air if you're a spender. But I am willing to guess that there have been some spouses in the last few minutes nudging one another, saying, That's you. (laughs) That's you, that is. Because what makes things really fun is a lot of times a saver will marry a spender. So you have these two living together in that tension of one wanting to save and one wanting to spend. Now, as I said, I'm a saver. I'm I'm willing to acknowledge that this morning. So I sat down with Casey, my wife, this week, because I wanted to find out if she may be like more of a spender. I didn't know, so I thought, you know, I'll I'll talk. So she was sat on the couch, so I went to sit next to her on the couch to ask her this question. It took me a while because I had to move nine throws and blankets out of the way to get onto the couch and say, Casey, do you think you're a spender? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) She's not here this morning to defend herself, but she's watching online, so I'm sure I'll get a text in a minute. And the great thing about savers and spenders in a marriage is that they get to know each other and get to kind of play off one another's strengths and weaknesses. So, true story, just recently, uh, we were out, Case and I, and uh, um, she was doing some shopping. She came back, and she uh, she had this bag. I said, what would you buy? She goes, I was at TJ Maxx. I bought two more blankets. (laughs) Because, as you know, we don't have enough blankets or throws in our house. So, uh, she bought two more blankets. I said, do we need two more blankets, two more throws? And she goes, Dave, you don't understand. I was at TJ Maxx. These blankets would have cost $60 normally. I got them for $40. I saved you $20. <laughs> now, the savers in the room, you're like me. You're thinking, no, you spent $40. <laughs> so so, so we, we understand it, but as funny as this is, what if I was to tell you this morning that the savers and the spenders have it wrong? As whether we're a saver or a spender this morning, maybe we're missing it. In fact, maybe savers and spenders actually both have the same problem. And that is that that whether you're a saver or a spender, they both want more. They both want more. Savers, we want more for the future, more savings, more retirement. Spenders, we want more stuff now. But what if there was a third way What if there was another way? And I think we're going to discover this morning between this encounter of Jesus and this lady, that there's actually another way that as followers of Jesus, we can be living. So we're going to read about an account. Uh, Matthew, one of the uh, four guys who wrote about the life of Jesus, he tells us a story about this interaction between this lady and Jesus. We're going to read that together in Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. Meanwhile... Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and she poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And he was right, Jesus, that, that was part of the burial ritual in those days, you know, to, to keep the body from smelling too bad as it decayed. They would, they would put perfume on it. And, and the disciples at the time, maybe even this woman didn't fully understand what Jesus meant, but, but the reality is he knew his time was drawing near, that he was going to die. So what this lady did was, was going to prepare her for her burial. But in the moment, the response of the disciples was based on what they thought was, was a frivolous, pointless act. Because you need to understand the significance of what's just happened here. And in order to understand that, you really need to understand the significance of perfume in that culture. Perfume was very rare. It was very hard to come by. So when people had bottles or jars like this of this perfume, it was more of a commodity than a product. This wasn't just something that stayed on the shelf and we'd put a couple of sprays on on a Saturday night if we were going to the club. That's that's not really the prime focus of perfume in Jesus' culture. It was to keep as a commodity, it was worth value. People would buy and sell with perfume. This was like an heirloom that would be passed on to this lady's family. This story is told by another gospel writer and when he tells the story, he actually shares that this bottle of perfume that she had, that she broke, that she poured over Jesus would have been worth a year's wages. A year's, that's how much value was in this perfume and she's just used all of hers up in what appears to be a frivolous act. Now, the thing is, it would have been acceptable in those days. Jesus was the guest of honor in Simon's house. So there was a tradition and a culture where if somebody did have perfume, they would apply a little dab to the person's um, face, who was the guest of honor, as a sign of respect and as a sign of honor to, to bring a beautiful fragrance into the place. So it wasn't that she, she opened the perfume. It was how much perfume she used. That's what they were questioning. She used all of it. She used all of it on Jesus. The savers in the room, they were questioning this act as she's just wasted an investment that she could have saved. Something that she could have held on to for the future. The spenders in the room, they're questioning whether there could have been something better she could have done with this. You could have fed the poor. You could have spent this in better places. But Jesus, he recognizes what's really going on in this moment. And he explains this third idea that we're going to find out translates to our lives 2,000 years later. He recognizes that she has taken what she had and she sacrificed it as an act of worship and love for Jesus. That was her motivation. She wasn't thinking of the cost. She wasn't thinking through the practicalities. She wasn't thinking of how she could save this or spend this. She just wanted to show Jesus how much she loved him, how much she worshipped him. This act, Jesus said, would be remembered and discussed wherever the good news is preached around the world. And he's right. 2,000 years later, halfway around the world, we're still talking about this story. For the woman in this story, when it came to spending or saving, both were smaller rocks. Both were smaller rocks Yes, she spent money. Yes, she saved money. This was an important part of her life. But there was a larger rock in her life. The larger rock was because of how much she loved Jesus. It was her generosity. It was her generosity. Jesus, her passion, her worship, her love for Jesus. It said, you know, more important than this is what I want to do for him. How much of my life I want to give him. How much I trust him with what I have. She surrendered her whole life to him when she said, this is going to be a large rock in my life. And here's how I think that applies to us today here at Connect. So... If you've been coming to Connect for a while now, you'll know that on a regular basis, we do baptism services here at Connect. We do them right here in a tank on the stage of the middle school. We used to do them uh, when we were there in this, this tank full of water. And baptism is wonderful because it's a, a symbolic act to represent um, our old lives dying and our new lives beginning. It's, it's people who have made a decision on the inside to follow Jesus, a heart decision to surrender their lives to Jesus, are now doing something on the outside. They want to go public with their faith. They want people to understand that, hey, I want to demonstrate this change in my life. I want to demonstrate what Jesus has done. So um, in obedience to what Scripture teaches, I'm going to become baptized. And and it's wonderful. Here at Connect, the way we do baptisms is they go into the tank and they go fully under fully submersed. It's this wonderful image of, of the old life being completely gone and the new life coming up out of the water. But imagine how strange it would look if, if we had a baptism service right here and if you've been here, we, have, we zoom in on the cameras up here on the, on the screens and you looked across and there was somebody and as they were going down in the water, you saw their arm kind of stick up like this and they're holding their wallet. So it's like, yep, Jesus, you've got everything, everything except that. I mean, that would be silly, wouldn't it? But I wonder if some of us have done that. I wonder if some of us have said, Jesus, you've got my life. You know, I'll give you everything, but I'm not sure Jesus, you know, th- this is pretty important to me. I- I'm not sure I'm ready to surrender that to you also. So before you start freaking out and say, whoa, 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 hold on, David. If-, if you tell me in a minute that I've got to surrender this and I find myself giving away a year's worth of wages or giving everything up, that's-, that's not where I'm going this morning. But maybe it would be a good thing for some of us this morning to acknowledge that, that this is a part of our life that it would be good to bring under the, the, the leadership, the guidance of Jesus in our lives. It's no accident that we chose this rock on the third Sunday in January. It's the third week in January. I'm guessing that some of you in the last week or two got your credit card statements in the mail. And those credit card statements reflected what you spent at Christmas. <laughs> and some of you opened those statements and you're like, we did it again, <laughs> what are we thinking? Last year we said we weren't going to do this, we were going to have a budget, we were going to have a plan, you know, and then Christmas came around again and we got all excited and we just, and here we are now in January and we're thinking, here we go again. We've got to come up with, because some of us haven't made this area of our life a big rock. And it can cause troubles, it can cause fear and anxiety, it can cause tension and conflict in a marriage. So maybe for some of us this morning as followers of Jesus in 2023, our goal as we live here today will say, Jesus, it's time. It's time for me to surrender this area of my life. I know that it doesn't mean I'm giving it all up and you're going to take it all, but I do, I do realize that this is probably something that I need to trust you more in, that I need to have a plan, that I need to uh, get away from, keep coming to the end of the month and, and it's time to the, and, and I'm trying to squeeze something in that's not there. So I want to give you a couple of practical things uh, to think about, to pray about, maybe even to do this morning. And this is one of the things I've really enjoyed the most about this series. For the last two weeks, we've we've talked about these concepts of of God and family, and then um, if you haven't heard them, you can listen to these messages online, but what you'll find is at the end of each week, at the end of each message, we've left you with some really practical, hey, if you did this, if you followed these, this would actually help you make this rock bigger. Last week, we talked about family, and I had the most encouraging message come through on Sunday night. Somebody messaged me. They said, hey, Dave, I just want to let you know. I listened to your message this morning about family, and it really challenged me. So I realized that my son was going through some stuff right now, so I decided I need to go and be with my son. This is too important. I'm going to jump in my car now. And she said she drove 60 miles Sunday afternoon, last Sunday afternoon spent the afternoon with her son, had a great time with him. It was just real quality time. The amazing thing was, and this is the most exciting part about getting the message, she lives in Texas. She was watching online (laughs) last Sunday. She's connected to somebody here in this community. She was watching online. And as a result of hearing just, just the practical challenge last week, she says, you know what? I need to do something. She wrote me the loveliest message explaining about the quality time that she'd had with her son last week. So, I'm going to give you two real practical things that you could do this morning if, if you're in a place where you're saying, God, it's not that my possessions, my treasure, my wallet isn't a rock, it's there, but maybe it's kind of this size and it needs to be more this size in the priorities in my life. Maybe I need to give more of it to you. Maybe I need to have a plan of what you're going to do with my treasure. So, first idea I've got for you, do something. Do something. Do something. That's number one this morning. Just, just do something. Generosity is like a muscle. It needs to be stretched and used in order for it to strengthen and grow. So why not, this week, just make a decision today, I'm, I'm going to do something. Maybe you'll, you'll pay for someone's lunch. Maybe you'll, you'll find an opportunity to give to one of the ma- many amazing organizations that we have here locally that are making such a huge difference in the lives of people here in Washington or Peoria. Peoria. You could buy a gift card, and you could send it in the mail to somebody. Maybe do it anonymously. Just say, hey, you're aware that they're going through a tough time right now. You know that things are difficult. And man, what a difference it will make for that person just to receive this gift card out of the blue. It's just stretching that muscle of generosity. And when you do it, you'll start to see as as time goes on, God's going to start prompting you in other areas that, that you can be generous, that you can do something to make a difference. But maybe that's all you do is that this week you say, God, I'm finding that when I take control of this area of my life, things don't always work out well. Whether I'm a saver or a spender, they both seem to lead me into trouble sometimes. So I'm going to go this third way. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to say, God, I want to trust you with my treasure, with my finances. And and to show that this week, I'm going to do something. I'm going to give in some way. I'm going to show generosity in some way. And just start to flex that muscle just a little bit. Not only will it make the difference in the life of someone else, I think it'll make a difference in your life too. I think it'll start to show you the difference it can make in your life when you start to give, when you start to do something like that. Here's the second thing. Second thing I want to challenge you with this morning, make a plan. Make a plan. It's 2023. We're starting out some new resolutions. Maybe this is something that, especially if you're married here this morning, if you're a family, have a conversation with your spouse. Say, hey, what what should we do? If you're single, sit down with a pen and paper and, and come up with some ideas. Make a plan. Maybe work on a budget. I want to tell you, if you struggle in this area of your life, we have people here at Connect who love to help people with planning and budgets. God's blessed them and gifted them with some, some real wisdom in this area. And they've, they've run classes for us here before at Connect called Financial Peace. They've, they've sat with couples and individuals and helped them. So, so don't be afraid to come to one of us and say, hey, I'm going to be honest. This, I just keep messing up in this area of my life. I, I need some help. I want this to be a bigger rock. I want it to fit in my job. I can't seem to figure it out myself. We would love to help you. But I would challenge you, not just in a practical budget sense, come up with a generosity plan. Come up with a generosity plan. Say, God, I want to be like the lady in that story. I want to worship you and love you. I want to show that I'm not willing to hold anything back. I'll give to you whatever I can. And the practical way in which I can show that is to have a, a plan for generosity. There are many people here this morning, watching online, who give here at Connect. Whether it's through our online platform, they they set up a payment. Sometimes on a Sunday morning, we have boxes on the wall at the back, these black boxes, and people have put a check or some cash. And they've decided to faithfully give here to help support the work of Connect Church. And we are so, so incredibly grateful for all of you. Because whether it's a dollar or $10 or $1,000, every penny makes a difference. It helps us accomplish the mission that we believe God has given us. Most of those who who give on a regular basis, they've, they've determined a plan for how they will do that. They've come up with a regular amount that they give. There are some people here at Connect who, because of their relationship with Jesus, they follow a principle that's laid out in the Bible known as tithing. This word tithe, it literally means 10%. And many times in the Bible, we can see examples of people who chose to set aside 10% of their treasure. It could have been their crops, their wages, whatever it was, they felt that the the biblical principle was to set aside 10% and to give. In those days, it was to the temple, to the priests, who helped them worship and serve God. So there are some here at Connect who have a plan to give regularly, some who who have actually made a decision to give up to 10% of their their, um, wages. And you know what's cool? We here at Connect, as a church, we made a decision 10 years ago when we started that we were going to tithe as a church. So every penny that comes into our offering, we've made a decision to set aside 10% that we're going to give away. So as a church, we give away 10% of our offerings to help other organizations around the country and around the world, and around the state, and around Washington. So when you give $10, if you were to give $10, $1 of that 10 that you give will go to help plant brand new churches in cities around America. When we started Connect in 2013, there were churches that sent us money to help us launch because we were a brand new church. We had nothing. So churches said, hey, we're excited about what you're doing in Washington. We wanna be a part of that story. People in churches in Kansas City helped start this church. They'll never meet you personally, but they were a part of helping us start. They were a part of why you're here today. In the same way, we've worked with churches in Minneapolis, in Boston, in Boston in New England, in different areas around the country. And and some of what you've given has helped those churches start. You may never meet those people, but they will discover Jesus. Their lives will be forever changed because you gave and some of what you gave not only helped us do what we do here at Connect, but because of our commitment to give helped others outside of the church. I wanna tell you real quickly about one of the organizations that we support. So you're aware of just the difference your generosity makes around the world. Casey and I uh, got to visit with a church planting organization in Austria, and that's Austria Europe, not Australia, put another shrimp on the barbie, okay, so Austria Europe, okay, and uh, we've partnered with a wonderful organization there that has a vision to plant churches in every region of Austria, so far, they've planted 14 different churches. They have five more ready to launch, and their goal is to get 90 nine churches to hit every single region in Austria. This is a country unlike what we used to hear in the Midwest, where people aren't following Jesus. It's a very post-Christian uh, country, so, so it's a lot harder for them to reach people for Jesus. So we were there and uh, we've been supporting them now for a few months and we got to meet some of these planters, these these pastors who are planting churches. We met one guy, Casey and I, we had lunch with him, lovely man, and he talked about his role there in the organization. He said, I'm the pastor of one of the churches that we planted here about three or four years ago. I'm the, the lead pastor of that church. But I also am the lead pastor of another church that we've helped to plant. So they're about an hour away. I drive there once a week and there's a couple there that will become the lead pastors and and I'm helping to mentor them and disciple them and train them and, and we're pretty close to them becoming the lead pastors. But right now, I'm still the lead pastor of that church as well. Then there's a third church a couple of hours away and I'm no longer the lead pastor there but I still go and visit them once a quarter because they have their own pastors there but they're so new that I'm helping them and I'm training them and I'm working with them. So I pastor this church, I'm the lead pastor of another church that I'm helping, and then there's this third church. And I work a full-time job. He worked in the insurance industry and that was his full-time job. He had a special needs son who demanded a lot of care. He's telling me this across the table. And I'm realizing how fortunate we are here in Washington, Illinois. Because of our giving, we're able to to hire staff members full-time. These churches were so small, they were so new that they didn't have the resources. I thought, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we could help some of these pastors as they plan? Maybe just to work part-time, maybe to, to invest more time and energy into what God has called them to do there. But it was great hearing the stories he told of the lives that were being changed in this country as they discovered for the very first time that Jesus loves them so much and that he wants a relationship with them. Now, I recognize this morning that jumping from nothing to 10% would be impossible for many. But I think every one of us can make a plan. Every one of us can say, God, I want to surrender this to you. I don't want to leave this outside of the tank. I want you to have every part of my life. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that'll be tough. But I think making that decision to make this a priority, to make it a large rock in our lives, could change you forever. And this is why I think those who have chosen to make generosity a large rock, have come up with a plan for generosity, have made this decision. Because earlier we read that, that short verse that Jesus said about treasure, but listen to what he says just before that in Matthew six nineteen to 21. He says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. It's not that saving is wrong, it's important. It's not that spending is wrong, it's important. But what if there was a third option of giving? of being generous, of saying, God, you've blessed me with so much. I could save it all, I could spend it all, but what if, God, in my my desire to surrender to you, my worship, like that lady in the story, I could be extravagant with my generosity. As an act of worship, I could be willing to say, you know what, I know on paper this doesn't make sense, but I don't want to store up treasures here on earth where moths will eat and destroy. I want to store up treasures in heaven. I want people to be in heaven because my generosity helped make a difference in this organization, in this church, in this ministry, locally or globally. So this morning, I hope, like me, you will take this, you'll surrender it to Jesus and say, God, I want this to be a big rock in my life. And that starting today, you'll do something And make a plan. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this kind of beginning of the year period of our lives, Lord, where we reevaluate, where we we take stock of our lives, maybe look at some things that compared to last year we'd like to see differently done this year. And God, we've talked about our relationship with you, our faith, we've talked about our family. But but what if what you've blessed us with? What if you our treasure was also a big rock? that you, God, want us to to surrender to you. I pray, Lord, that some of us will, maybe for the first time, pause and and say, God, what would you have me do? What is the plan that you'd have for me? Is there something I can do? Is there there a plan I can come up with to make a difference? Maybe it's to make a a regular gift. Maybe it's to, to give a little bit more. Maybe it's to give something for the very first time, but whatever it is, Lord, I wanna live for more than just me. I don't want to just store up treasure here on earth. I want to store up he- treasure in heaven. So, God, I pray that we would um, take this, this challenging message, Lord, and, and think about it and pray about it and, and come to you and say, God, what would you have me do? In Jesus' name, Amen.